Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'll go into kind of what you were getting at. And I mean, I'm not going to drop names, but sure. like, for example, when a sponsor exemption pulls out of a tournament, yeah, it looks horrible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam Fonseca, owner over at GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me on Twitter, at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, Adam, at GolfUnfiltered.com. Very happy to welcome PGA Tour player Colt Nost onto the podcast tonight. Colt, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, and thanks so much for uh, taking some time to... uh, to hop on the show, I uh, understand that uh, you're recently going through a, a little bit of an injury over there on tour. Uh, you want to talk just a little bit about what you got going on and uh, maybe what uh, where you're going with uh, your rehab or anything of that nature? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been dealing kind of a wrist and thumb injury for over a year now. Um, played through it last year um, and, you know, had the best season of my career, so it's kind of went along with it and then it, this off season it really started bothering me um kind of in the fall and just basically i've gotten to the point where i can't compete at the level i want to with how it's feeling um so i've been taking some time off trying to figure things out and they've decided decided to uh, we're going to scope my wrist on thursday just kind of clean all the junk out basically to try to get the pain to go away and i guess the recovery time is about six to eight weeks and then hopefully we'll be back yeah, six to eight weeks, and so you're uh, you're dealing with an injury now, and, that, and that's certainly unfortunate because, as you mentioned, you had one of your best years on tour last year. And listeners, you'll certainly remember Colt Nost from uh, quite a few uh, successful uh, runs as an amateur. Uh, for example, he won the 2007 U.S. Amateur, and he also had a great Walker Cup that year, as well as uh, two professional wins on the Nationwide Tour. Uh, now it's called the different tour, of course. Uh, but Colt, you know, something that I've uh, wondered about for uh, tour players who go through an injury, uh, six to eight weeks, definitely a long time. Uh, what are you doing to kind of, you know, keep yourself busy during that time if you don't have the opportunity to practice? It's uh, it's rough, honestly, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that I, I love playing golf. I mean, even when I'm home on my off weeks, I don't consider it work or stressful to get in the cart and go out and play. Um, so it's been tough. I haven't, I haven't teed up in a tournament since, uh, career builder in Palm Springs. And, um, I li- I'm living out in Scottsdale now. So I tried to play my hometown event here at the Phoenix open and I warmed up Thursday morning and just couldn't go. Um, so it's almost been three weeks now since I've even touched a club. So I'm starting to get a little stir crazy. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this, uh, little minor surgery and hopefully get some answers and get back out there as soon as possible. It's, uh, it's tough. I love being out on tour. Um, I'd play every week if I could. Yeah, I can only imagine that you get a little stir-crazy uh, while you're trying to heal up there. Uh, now, is this the first time that you've gone through an injury on tour? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I dealt with the thumb issue last year, which was extremely painful for me, but I was able to 
do some things to kind of get through it. But I've never had a point where I've ever had to take this much time. I mean, this is twice now. I think I've taken a month off, no golf balls at all. And, you know, I'm just not used to doing that. And this is definitely my first surgery. Um, so a little nervous, but uh, I know I'm in good hands. Good deal, good deal. And so, you know, Colt, one of the things that we like to uh, kind of, you know, shed some light on on this podcast is just some of the stuff that tour players have to deal with you know, when, when these things happen to you in life. Now, we understand, of course, that, you know, while you're on the shelf, you're you're not earning anything as you go. You have to play, you know, to earn money to, to make a living. So, you know, from a tour player standpoint, and I'm sure you've got friends on tour as well that have been out for injuries, you know, are there other methods that you have to go through to kind of uh, you know, maintain that certain level of, of income, or is this just basically something you got to wait out and kind of hope for the best? No, basically, I mean, you, you kind of got to wait out. I mean, the tour has an insurance policy for us um, where we're allowed to take a medical that they help us out. But, I mean, you have to be out like six months, I think, for that to kick in. Um, so, I mean, basically, it's just kind of tough luck right now. Um, you know, just kind of deal with it and hope to get back out on tour as soon as you can. But, um, you know, Hopefully, don't ever have to worry about any income issues or anything. But sure. it's frustrating sitting at home and watching all these guys make a lot of money, and I'm, you know, not not being able to do that right now. But um, you know, I'll get my chance here soon, and I'll be back out there. Well, we definitely look forward to you going back out and playing. We I definitely love watching you uh, go out there and uh, and do what you do best. And Colt, you know, it's when it's funny when you talk about injuries, and I'm going to allude to something that uh, you know has been kind of talking on Twitter uh, as of late. You know, sometimes when players get injured, obviously people withdraw. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk mm-hmm. recently uh, on tour about, you know, people withdrawing from tournaments under some questionable uh, <laughs> reasons. And so, you know, I, I always wondered, Colt, mm-hmm. from the people on tour, from your colleagues, from the people that you play with every week, you know, what is that mindset for folks who might withdraw from a tournament, who might not be injured or uh, would you say that there are sometimes maybe fake injuries that people kind of throw out there from a PR perspective just to give a reason for withdrawing? Well, I mean, there's obviously tons of issues that go into that. I mean, um, you know, there's there's times where, yeah, guys do withdraw and it, it does look bad. And then there's, you know, there's times when, you know, like, I mean, I, I guess in L.A. was an example last week with um, a few guys like where they had to come back and finish their second round on Saturday. Right. And, you know, they have four holes left. They're not going to make the cut. And it, it doesn't look the best, but at the same time, you got to realize, you know, maybe these guys, they know they're going to miss the cut. they got four holes left. They're six off the number. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing if they withdraw. If they want to go home and be with their family or go get with their coach to work before the next week, I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, I know it doesn't look the absolute best, but, you know, that's just kind of part of what comes along with our game. I mean, we – you know, some weeks you don't have it, and you got to figure out how to go get it the, before the next week. And it, it's it's tough when you have weather delays and the tournament goes into Saturday before you, the cut's made. And so some guys opt to get out of there Friday night when they know they're not going to be around. And, and I don't have a problem with that. There's other issues that I know you're talking about that I do have a problem with. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're all we're all, you know, our own bosses, and we get to make those choices. And, and so, you know, obviously we're, we're kind of – dancing around something and i definitely don't want to name names on this on this podcast that's not the reason i brought you on but you know obviously there's there are some questionable reasons why people might withdraw so 
you know, are there some situations? I would imagine, for example, Colt, like for a uh, for an invitational tournament. I know we could probably think of some examples of mm-hmm. other players who might have withdrawn and taken the spot from somebody uh, who might have been able to go to this tournament. Is is there somewhat of a? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there somewhat of a fraternal? Um, you know, agreement among players to say, hey, you know, if you're if you're not going to make it to this tournament, let me know because I'd love to go. Is there anything of that nature? Yeah, you know, and and most guys that are you know one first, second, or third alternate are there. They're on site, you know, because mm-hmm. you never know what can happen. I mean, I'll just use myself as an example. I mean, at Phoenix a couple weeks ago, I mean, I withdrew from, or I didn't withdraw. I stuck it out at uh, Career Builder. I withdrew from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even go to San Diego. And then I got to Phoenix and I really wanted to play. I mean, this is where I live now and all my, I have a bunch of friends here and it's a really fun and big tournament. Um, and I wanted to do everything I could to play, but I knew the odds were against me. And Cameron Smith was first alternate and I told him all week, I said, be ready because I'm probably not going to go, but I'm going to give it my best. And, uh, Wednesday night I hit some balls and felt pretty good. And Thursday morning I went out and was supposed to be first off and, I mean, I probably could have played, but I know I wasn't going to play well, and I didn't think it was fair to take a spot away from him. You know, he's coming off the web tour and needs all the starts he can get, and I just thought it was wrong for me to play. So uh, I gave him a gave him a chance, and I think he played pretty well that week. Yeah, he did, and and you know, situations like that, I imagine there there is that that agreement, that unspoken agreement, or even in in some cases, like you just illustrated, a spoken agreement between players. You know, hey, I'm going to try to give this a go. Yeah. If I'm not there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the deal is I earned my spot to play in the tournament. So, like, he, guys can't get mad if I play. I mean, it's <laughs> right, I kept right. my card last year. I earned my spot. I mean, it's it's my choice. But I I knew most likely I wasn't going to be able to finish even 36 holes that week. Um, so I thought it was very fair. Or it was the right thing for me to do was to give him the spot. And, you know, some guys don't do that, though. But that's, like I said, that's, they're their own boss, and they've earned their right to be there. And you kind of can't really do anything, even though you can you can express your – disagreement with them but i mean at the end of the day it's their call fair enough you know and as you mentioned they're they they have to live with whatever decision they make and sometimes that might uh fare poorly for for some others who might have had the chance to play but hey you know you can't really anticipate whether or not you're going to withdraw from a tournament all the time uh but colt you know oh for sure i mean you never yeah you never want to withdraw i mean you obviously want to be there for the tournament and i mean it it sucks to have to pull out but i mean I'll go into kind of what you were getting at, and I mean, I'm not going to drop names, but sure. like, for example, when a sponsor exemption pulls out of a tournament, yeah, it looks horrible. I don't, I mean, unless something really is wrong, yeah, it looks really bad. That person, those tar- that tournament gave you a spot in a tournament, and they gave you an invite, and they didn't have to, and no matter what, I always think you should stick it out. That makes complete sense, and yeah, I mean, that, that situation, it was mm-hmm. kind of an odd situation i completely agree that if you do get that sponsor's exemption you want to stick it out like you mentioned and so you know hopefully uh for that particular individual we don't see that becoming a trend um hopefully that was just something that was a one and done type deal and so only time will tell of course uh in that situation but colt you know something i wanted to uh to go back on is i mentioned in the intro obviously uh folks remember your success in 2007 when you won the u.s amateur uh, you also had a successful stint over at the Walker Cup. You played with many of the big-name players uh, that everyone would recognize these days, including Ricky Fowler. You actually played with the New World number 1, Dustin Johnson, 
specifically about Dustin Johnson during that time. Did you see anything in him then? Obviously, he's a great player, but did you ever foresee him coming, to, rising to mm-hmm. the to the level that he's at now? Yes, totally. I did. Um, I mean, he's just he is so gift, gifted, like so ta- naturally talented ahead of everyone else. I believe. Um, we, me and him were alternate shot partners in the Walker Cup both days, and I mean, just the he just plays a different game than so many of us out there and i mean i know when we were i've known him since we were 16 years old and i mean we've all said that if he learns how to you know dial in his wedges and get good around the greens i mean he's almost unbeatable because no one drives it the way he does and i mean he was pretty raw still when we were 17 18 years old years old but i mean over the last three or four years you've definitely started to see how good he can be and i i just i mean i still think he can get better you know, what's funny um, about Dustin Johnson is uh, you had mentioned the wedge game. And do you guys, in recent weeks or months now, I guess, there was the talk about how he just finally started using TrackMan to kind of practice his wedges. Do you guys ever give him shit for that? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, he's the no one player in the world. How can you hate him on anything he does, you know? <laughs> Fair um, enough, yeah. But he's, uh, but I mean, it's just, it's true, though. I mean, we, we were sitting around talking about it the other day. It's like, if you break down his his game i mean basically what is there there's you know normally 10 to 12 par fours around he's gonna have wedge into probably you know anywhere from eight to you know almost all 12 as far as he hits it so i mean you you look at it he between par threes par fives and everything he's gonna have around 10 10 wedges a day into into greens which is just astronomical and i mean if you can dial those in i mean it's just it's a joke how good you can play you and he pretty much starts every every round of golf four under par he's going to birdie every par five most of the time he's just that powerful and he's been hitting his driver just incredibly well as of late and even to the point of hitting a a, you know a pretty controlled fade despite having that shut club face on top Mm -hmm. you know that's just something that i think speaks you know highly to we always joke about what what an athlete he is but you know i think it's 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 obvious that he can make those adjustments in real time even uh, you know, to really adapt to the course that he's playing. Yeah, I mean, his uh, someone I was watching something today, but I mean, his his there's no golf course that doesn't set up well for him. I mean, people can talk about short, tight golf courses. Well, he can hit two iron off every hole and hit it two ninety. I mean, he uh, he's just he's the real deal. He's got there's really is no weaknesses because even if he puts, you know, just decent, he's still going to be up there and have a chance to win. If he puts good, it's I don't think anybody can beat him. That's always definitely the case when it comes to uh, uh, to whether or not you win a tournament, isn't it? You know how well you putt, and you know, uh, Colt. Uh, to go For back sure. to go back to uh, 2007, you know, you obviously had your success at the U.S. Amateur, and you know, you were faced with a pretty important decision at that point, as many people are faced with after they come off a successful uh, amateur career, and that is whether or not to go professional. You chose to go professional, and in doing so, you uh, forfeited your opportunity to play at Augusta, uh, as well as the U.S. Open and the Open Championship that year. Uh, You know, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but looking back on that experience, especially since you've not had the opportunity to go to Augusta since then, is that something that perhaps you'd go back on? No, I wouldn't. Um, You know, I I honestly didn't think it would take me this long to get back. you know, at the time, um, my stock in 
and amateur golf was as high as it was going to be. I was the number one ranked amateur in the world. And um, financially, some things were thrown at me that, you know, really helped me and my family out. And it was the best time for me to go. I mean, my confidence was at an all-time high. I was, um, I got a few starts in PGA Tour events that fall, went through Q School and got on the web tour and had a lot of success out there. And um, it really helped me grow as a player. And, um, you know, my career hasn't gone the way I thought it would. Um, I mean, it, there's been some good. There's been a lot of bad. But, you know, I'm still, this is my seventh year on the PGA Tour, and um, that's quite an accomplishment, and I still think my best golf's ahead of me. Absolutely. You know, any stint on the PGA Tour is certainly something that you should hang your hat on and, and definitely foresee many more years ahead of you, uh, for you, I should say. But, you know, Colt, when you when you talk about having that decision, and even players now, it happens every year, obviously. Somebody wins the U.S. Amateur Championship, and mm-hmm. they have that decision to make. You know, what are some of the things that you had to think about in that time? You already mentioned a few. You know, obviously there were some situations or some uh, some offers that were brought to, your, to the table for you. But what are some of the things that, uh, you know, the decisions and the mindset that a golfer has to go through when they're faced with that decision? Well, obviously, the Masters is the biggest golf tournament in the world. It's what everyone watches. It's the most famous golf tournament, and we all want to be there. I mean, you know, it's the smallest, one of the smallest fields, and it's the smallest major field by far. Um, but for me, I sat down and I talked. I had a lot of people help me. Um, you know, a lot of people. I surrounded myself with a lot of people to talk about it. And I, my whole deal is, I was, I'm, I'm here to play this game for a very long career, not for one tournament. And I felt like if I put my career on hold for you know four or five six months to play in one golf tournament you never know what could happen you know i mean basically i i wouldn't have gone to q school that that fall i mean i would if i would have got on tour i guess i could have could have mm-hmm. taken it but there were so many things involved i mean basically my whole my career would have been put on hold for almost a whole year like i would have gotten to play i mean i would have gotten seven starts i'm guessing sponsor exemptions on tour if i would have waited and I would have played the Masters. So basically, I would have played eight tournaments that year. And, I mean, like I said, that's just putting your career on hold for a whole other year when I felt like I was doing great things in golf and I felt like I could get out on tour right away and win. It seems like the, the smart decision in my book, and I've always wondered kind of like what – how how tough a decision that would be. I knew it was hard, you know. Don't get me wrong. I knew it was one of those, those situations. Oh, of course it is. And I just – God, I don't know what I would do in that situation. And it sounds like, you know, you made the right decision – um, obviously you've, you, you're, you're continuing to play. You are seven years in, as you mentioned. And so turning pro, at least in your case, was a success in that regard. Uh, was there any advice that you would give to a player or up and coming younger player that maybe one day might be in that situation and, and really has to make the decision? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I mean, I asked for a lot of people's opinion. And I respected everyone's opinion, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's down to you and what you feel like's right. I mean, if I'm a freshman in college and I win the U.S. Amateur, yeah, then I probably would have stayed. But I just finished my senior year at SMU, and I mean, I had an amazing summer. And like I said, I was as confident as I think I've ever been in what I was doing, and I felt like it was time for me to make that next step. I wasn't um, like disrespecting the Masters or anything like that. Like, I mean, I want to be there. I, I, it's hard for me to watch it every year, knowing that. I could have been there. I sure hope I get to play at one time, in my, at least one time in my career. Um, but like I said, it was it was the decision that was best for me at the time. And everyone thinks they have the right answers, but not everyone knows what kind of situation each person's in. I mean, it's totally different for everyone. I mean, if if you're a 
a person that comes from a family that's not that well off and you get a lot of financial opportunity, it's hard to say no. But if the roles reverse, then it's a different story. Um, for me, it's just, it was the best thing at the time and I don't regret it one bit. Fair enough. And that, that's, that's great that there's, you know, live life with no regrets. That's the way I always say it. And so, you know, you definitely uh, are, are living up to what you wanted to do. I mean, being on the PGA Tour, it's got to be a dream come true. I'm probably saying the obvious thing. And so you're definitely making the most out of it. And we, we definitely uh, want you to come back from that injury as quickly as possible so we can get you back out there and, uh, and fans of yours can watch you do what you do best. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it sucks sitting at home right now, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, it's, 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 it's rough, but it's nice to have this little break, honestly, and kind of get a little refreshed. We don't really get that many breaks now with this wraparound season. So I'm looking forward to you know getting through this surgery and then taking whatever time I need to get my game and get my health back to where it needs to be and hopefully come back better than ever. Are you a big Netflix guy? Are you uh, binge-watching anything right now? You know, I'm, I'm, I decided that I was going to start once the surgery because I can't do anything for a while. <laughs> right. I was going to try to figure out some stuff I really want to watch. Dustin Johnson actually is huge into the uh, TV series and Netflix and stuff, so he always gives me some good stuff. So he got me uh, hooked on the blacklist nice. and I started watching. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there, and uh, I'll, I'll send you some uh, some uh, shows you should watch over Twitter. So. Uh, definitely keep you busy for those six Please to eight do. weeks. <laughs> so uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, you got some time to take uh, some Twitter questions. We got quite a few. I was actually uh, pleased to see how many of we course. got. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. the, the I first... saw a few of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to a few of them. Um, so one of these is uh, from at uh, Rob Roth, and you probably saw this one. How did you get the nickname Big Gravy? Big fan of the open turkey sandwich. Well, <laughs> no, that's uh Steve Elkington's a good buddy of mine, and one day on Twitter he just called me Big Gravy, and a lot of people loved it, I guess, and it kind of just kind of has stuck, and you know I've just kind of embraced it. It's one of those nicknames that <laughs> I think if you show you hate it, it's just gonna only get you're only gonna get called that more. But um, you know it's it's funny. I mean people are yelling it now when I'm teeing off and stuff. It's 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 pretty funny and pretty creative. But he definitely gets all the credit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, El, I, I like Elk as well. Um, here's one that's a little bit uh, more related to the game itself. And, uh, you know, interesting question here. How do you compensate for being a relatively short hitter on tour? Uh, do you practice longer clubs more? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've never been a long hitter. And, I mean, I've always really excelled with, you know, a five wood and hybrids and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, there's so many ways to play this game, and obviously I would love to hit at the distance Dustin does, but I don't. And I've learned to accept that and just play to my strengths. I know my wedge game's really good. I drive it straighter than anybody, and I know I'm really good with my hybrids and fairy woods. And, you know, when I get paired with those guys that hit it real far and I'm hitting those hybrids inside their eight irons, I know it can kind of drive them crazy. But, you know, I don't I don't say poor me or anything because I, I don't hit it very far. I just – really work on what I need to in my game to play the best. And, you know, I don't I don't get afraid when I have 210, 220 into a hole. I, I know I can hit it in there close. And uh, Technology has obviously helped players like me a lot. I mean, if we still had to hit two irons and one irons, we'd be struggling. As kind of a follow-up question from me on that, do you think there's a distance problem on tour? You know, for me, being one of the short hitters, I would love for the 
ball to get toned back, the driver to go back to where the miss hits are crazy wild and all that. Um, you know, but the game's changed. I mean, more I would say more athletes are playing golf now compared to what used to. Mm-hmm. There wasn't many people in Jack Nicklaus's age, I would say, that were built like Dustin, you know, as fit as Rory and Tiger and stuff like that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely agree. It seems like everyone's got a uh, a personal trainer these days. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, there's just there wasn't that many six four, two hundred and ten pound guys playing golf back then. And now, all these kids that are coming out. I mean, this Thomas Peters is a monster. Chris Woods, a really big kid, and they all hit a mile. And I mean, every college kid I see growing up, they're just big kids, and they hit it a really long ways. And that's just kind of how the game's gone. You know, I was uh, at the BMW uh, championship a few years ago. Uh, I'm in Chicago, and so they kind of come on a rotation, as you know. Uh, And Tony Finau walked by me, and that man's feet are, they got to be Shaquille O'Neal size. Mm. He's just a tall dude. And to your point about just these just different looking people, (laughs) they're just tall and athletic, and uh, you don't necessarily see, uh, he, he should be playing center somewhere as opposed to being on the PGA Tour. You know, that's what's so cool about the game, though, is, I mean, I had Tony out to Whisper Rock um, probably a month or so ago, and, I mean, he was riding in the car with me, and I, I, same thing, I looked down at his feet, and I go, good Lord, how big are your feet? <laughs> and he's like, I'm just a big man, bro. I mean, he, he wears a size 14 shoe, an XL glove. I mean, he's just huge, and he hits it 50 yards by me, but yet we're out there doing the same thing day in and day out. And you know what? I beat him sometimes, and he beats me sometimes. That's just how it is. <laughs> God, size 14. Uh, anyway, back to the Twitter questions here. Uh, here's one uh, from Be Better Golf. Uh, funniest Charles Barkley story on the golf course? Oh, man. How inappropriate are you allowed to get on this show? It's unfiltered. You say whatever you want. <laughs> really? Oh, I got a pretty funny one. <laughs> Go for it. You can say whatever you want. Uh yeah, so we were uh, playing. Wayne Gretzky used to host a uh, web.com event up in Canada. And uh, I get he's my partner. And I'm playing with, I think, Kelly Grunewald was the other part of the group. And we're playing with uh, Kenny Dykert, who uh, founded uh, NetJets and now is the founder of Wheels Up. Mm-hmm. And they're both awful golfers, absolutely terrible golfers. Like, if they finish a hole, whoever finishes the hole wins. And so they're playing, they're gambling for a lot of money, and Kenny comes up to me on the first hole Thursday, he goes, Colt, my goal is to make three pars in two days. And I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> and Charles hears that, and he goes, let me tell you something, you make three pars in two days, I'll blow you on 18th green in front of everyone. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. So that's definitely one that sticks out. And he was dead serious, too. And that's Kenny made one par in two days. Oh, he made one part. That's hysterical. Yep. I hope that wasn't too inappropriate. No, not at all. Yeah. Believe, believe me, we say some weird shit on this this podcast, so no worries there, my my, my good sir. Good. Uh, here's one from uh, at coolest one five eight nine. Best golf bet you've ever made. Definitely not along the Charles Barkley lines, I imagine. No, no. Oh, I don't know anything. I win anytime I beat uh, Phil out of money. It's it's a good bet. Those are my. He's my favorite to beat, even though he's beat up on me quite a few times. Do you guys? But I don't have any crazy ones with golf. Do you guys play often in those uh, Tuesday money games? Is it Tuesdays with Phil? Yeah, we played quite a bit uh, last year, and um, normally when we're out in Palm Springs, we'll play at Madison Club. But I love playing with Phil. He's 
he's a good trash talker and not quite as good as me, but he can uh he likes to throw in how many times he's won anytime I say something rude to him. Uh I got I can't let you go without sharing your favorite uh Phil Mickelson gambling story, if you got one. Um one that you can tell. Yeah, that's some pretty good Yeah, I, I mean there's some good I mean he's he's well, the first time I ever played with Phil I went out to Madison Club just to say hi to him and Dustin and Pat Perez were playing with him. And he's like, grab your clubs, we're going nine more holes. And I was like, I don't even have my golf shoes. I've never played with <laughs> Phil in my life. And he goes, he goes, I don't care, grab your golf, grab your clubs, me and you nine holes for a thousand. I'm like, and I'm 22 years old. I'm like, oh, I can't really say no. I look like a big puss in front of him. Right. So I go out and he just drums me. He just drums me like probably four and three and nine holes. And, uh, he said, I hear you like to play cards. And I said, I love to play cards. And he's like, uh, all right, well, let's go. I'll give you a chance to win it back. So we played gin, and I I love playing gin. And so I lost 1,000 to him in nine holes. I won like 1,400 in about 25 minutes off of him playing gin. <laughs> and he has a dinner, and he says, come he says, come back. And uh, needless to say, the night went very long, and it worked out pretty good for me. And uh, he, he won't play me in gin anymore. <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, that's fantastic. All yeah. right, Colt, I got one more for you here. Uh, who would be in your foursome for a night out on the town must-have PGA Tour card? I had this question earlier from someone. Um, well, Gary Woodland's probably my best friend out on tour, so for sure him. Um, Grandolette's real fun to go out and have a few with. And I always said Kevin Kisner, too, because he's – very entertaining and has no filter. <laughs> yeah, those those three guys. So sound like be, it'd be it would be a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. awesome. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, I won't keep you much longer. I really do appreciate you uh, taking some time tonight to talk to me, and I uh, definitely wish you the best of luck on your rehab. And I can't wait to see you back on the course. No problem. Anytime. Thank you. 